and welcome to Northern Natter, a podcast by journalists for journalists who don't want to move down south. If you're just getting into the industry, studying or soon to be graduating, then this is the podcast for you. We're sharing all the tips, tricks and stories from people in the industry, from Scotland and north of England. I'm Katie Baggett from Sunderland and graduated in July 2019 from the University of Sunderland. I have worked at the community radio station Spark FM and various news websites. I now work in higher education and freelance as a journalist and audio producer. And I'm Katie Williams, the other half of this Katie duo. I'm a freelance multimedia journalist and podcast producer from Scotland. After graduating a couple of years ago with a journalism and film degree, I now create content for the BBC The Social online platform. There are stories that need to be heard and opportunities in Northern England and Scotland. And we want to find out how we can get them. Because we don't want to move to London. So, welcome to Northern Natter. And on this week's episode, we are focusing on the world of TV and broadcast journalism. So, whoever would like to go first, um, could you tell us a bit more about you and what you do? I'm an assistant producer at STV News. It's kind of a wide-ranging remit. So in any one day, I can be interviewing politicians. For example, yesterday, I was interviewing Alistair Jack, and then later in the day, the guitarist from Mogwai, because they've become number one. Their album's got number one for the first time in 26 years. And then everything that comes in between that, so it'll be maybe editing, maybe I'll need to film something, or maybe I'll be cutting stuff for the running order or planning stories for later in the week it really just depends on on the day that sounds amazing how about you Tasmanian? well I'm a freelance journalist and freelance tv reporter so I write for a number of different publications such as the Huffington Post and Al Jazeera I've also done a few TV reports for FTV as well and I tend to focus on human rights issues and international world news so that's just a little bit about me. I'm also a mum of five, so I'm trying to kind of get the work-life balance in, which is really hard at the moment with all the home homeschooling and everything. But it's just really a balancing act at the moment. That's amazing. Wow. How about you, Tom? Um, I'm currently an assistant producer in uh, in television, in factual entertainment television, based in the northwest in Manchester. I'm currently working on Four in a Bed, so uh, it's a bit of a different gear from uh, you know human rights. Tells them it's uh, you know seeing what B and Bs think of poached eggs, but uh, yeah, it's <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good fun. It's good fun. <laughs> I think that sounds great. Well, I'm really happy with the sound. In this episode, we've got so many different people with expertise at different levels and different experiences, which I think hopefully our listeners will take something from it, you know, from all of you. Why did you choose to get into TV? When I first started out, I, I always watched a lot of television, you know, growing up. And I don't really know if there was one specific moment where I thought, right, you know what? I'm going to go for television as a career. Did media studies at school and then went to a couple of different unis that I've Part of me wanted to be a lawyer. I did a summer school, didn't enjoy it at all. Yeah, I eventually kind of went to uh, the University of Sunderland and fell in love with radio there and, and volunteered at the student station Spark and did the course TV and radio production. And just from kind of being in the TV studio, I caught the bug for it and uh, yeah, specialised more in television and just have been rolling with it ever since, really. So it's just growing up watching 
shows that I liked and then thinking, oh, I, I want to make something like that or I want to I want to work on that and went from there, really. I can't say there was like one specific moment where I was like, right, Eureka, television is where I'm going to be. Yeah, it kind of went with the flow and luckily I absolutely love it. So <laughs> it's great. Helps. Yeah, it does help. Yeah, Tom, that sounds, that sounds really good. Oh, what made you want to go into law first? Well, I think I probably saw it on TV, to be honest. I thought it was really intriguing. I did um, kind of mock trial at school where you would, you know, be part of a, a scenario, essentially. And it really intrigued me. And I thought, this is cool. You get to, you know, meet lots of different people, hear lots of different stories. And then it was just literally seeing the amount of paperwork involved and kind of hard learning and books and stacks and stacks of books. And I thought, yeah, no, this this one isn't for me. So <laughs> I, I quickly moved to uh, to TV. Yeah. Well, talking about stacks and stacks of books, uh, Tasnim, you know, tell us about yourself. How, why did you choose TV? Because you are an author as well. Like you said, you've done like freelance. So, you know, why now have you chosen to go, you know, reporter for SDV? What made you choose that jump? I really wanted to feel like I was kind of progressing because I felt a bit stuck in a rut in some ways. And, and I often felt that I was under this kind of glass ceiling where I wasn't able to kind of further progress because coming from a diverse background, I faced loads of challenges of, you know, being judged for the way I look as a visibly Muslim woman. And I think STV were really great in giving me that opportunity just based on my skill set and the ability to kind of tell the story without judging on any other factor, which I thought was fantastic. And that's why I was able to deliver those stories relevant to Scotland. And the real reason why I wanted to go into TV as well was to kind of better representation within the media. I think it's vital that we have, you know, um, a reflection of the national portrait of the society we live in, and especially in Scotland as well so that's one of the reasons why I thought to make that shift or at least attempt to try to keep that up as well yeah you're definitely doing that you know you're the first you're the first woman in Scotland to report wearing a hijab as well which made headlines and news covers so you know you're definitely progressing and doing exactly what you want to do Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still trying, really trying hard to get that right balance, especially working from home. It can be really um, difficult at the moment. But hopefully once COVID restrictions, you know, get all settled and the kids are back at school, I'd really hope to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, definitely. And um, what about yourself, Roxy? It was a really good report, by the way, Tasnim, that you did for us. It was oh, so good yeah it was great thank um, you that means a lot thank you yeah it got a, a lot of good feedback in the newsroom so well done I've done a lot of education for this job which is kind of I think a bit different from like your more traditional broadcast journalists who kind of got in via work experience or word of mouth or like before it became the thing to have a degree or whatever so I did two years at college doing media production and then four years at uni doing multimedia journalism and like loads of free work in between <laughs> as everyone does originally I wanted to write for newspapers but by the time I graduated from university that line of work was maybe not as stable as it once was I enjoyed the kind of 
camera and editing side of things, production side of things. Anyway, so um, I went and, t- and took a job at a startup TV, like local TV company, and launched like a local TV station, which was all kinds of stressful. And then from there, I managed to get in with ITV Border, doing freelance work for them. And from there, I got the job at STV. That sounds brilliant. Did you feel that that you were at an advantage from taking that education, from going, you know, through the degree route? You know, Do you know, I'm going to be brutally honest here and say that probably my honours year, like the final year that I did for to do the dissertation, I wish I'd have took the step that a couple of other brave students did and stopped at third year and went into the industry. I feel like I kind of missed the boat there and... To be honest, I don't think like what level of degree I got or how good I did in my dissertation or whatever has any bearing whatsoever when you're sat in an interview room with these people. Like, I just don't think it matters. I agree completely, Roxy. You know, as soon as I kind of started to get into the industry more, it was very much, you know, experience matters as opposed to seeing that you've got a degree it doesn't necessarily have to you don't necessarily have to have one that's really interesting viewpoints like from being in local radio myself and haven't I haven't like delved into tv in the past uh, but it's interesting to know like from an educational background what kind of routes you've all gone uh, down I think just off the back of that question what other skills did you find that you needed to go into the industry was did you have to kind of like craft your editing skills or did you use the skills that you'd learned from like camera operating to kind of like delve into the industry when you first started? It helps if you have an understanding of it. You don't necessarily have to be the best at it. You know, nobody was expecting me with my first kind of runner job, especially, or even my first researcher job to be able to edit a TV show straight away. Even now as an assistant producer, I think they probably wouldn't let me anywhere near the edit because there are specific, you know, people that are much better at it than I am. But I do use my editing skills on a daily basis when I'm talking to, to, to you know, potential contributors for the show and cutting tapes and cutting their stories to show them off. So it's good to have an understanding of it when you're, stand, when you're starting out so that if somebody says to you, oh my God, can you just hop on Final Cut Pro and, you know, just trim this down for me? I think that's pretty, you know, key to have. But don't dedicate every hour of your life to learning the ins and outs of Adobe Premiere and Avid because then you're almost going to be too specialised and, you know, you'll have wasted time. Try and get as broad a range as possible. Have an understanding of it all, but don't worry about like, oh my God, I don't know how to colour grade this story if I, in like 10 minutes because that nobody's going to expect you to do that as you kind of start out and you learn as you go along yeah I totally agree what Tom said as well that I think editing is a really invaluable skill to to learn and but some organizations you know use different editing suites and some use Avid others might use Final Cut Pro so um, it's really best to kind of learn a wide range of editing skills you know with different kind of platforms because not one organisation will use the same sometimes. So it's always good to have, be open-minded, have that willingness to learn and skill up. And that's something that I'm always trying to do as well to further improve my skills. Yeah, definitely. How about yourself, yeah. I think a lot of places, depending on what the role is when you go in, they'll give you training, uh, like a basic sort of two-week thing or one-week thing with 
the editing but because the first broadcast role I went into was launching a local TV station you were kind of expected to do everything <laughs> so it was good that I had that training at uni because I could pick up a camera and go and do an interview come back and cut it and make it into a package I think if you're coming in at like you know entry level having that range of skill set is so beneficial because it just means that whenever anything comes up you can say I can do that and then that kind of builds trust in the first instance and people see that you're capable and then as you kind of move move on you won't need to use all of the skills all of the time. I just think as a starting point, it's good to have a grasp of the basic. Yeah, that's a really good point. So what sort of challenges have you all faced trying to get? I know it's a very wide wide question so you can you know speak about what you're comfortable speaking about yeah I think it's just really trying to break down those barriers and really trying to feel represented and you know feel that I'm feel that as a woman of colour just kind of breaking through those challenges of having to sometimes I've felt that I've had to prove myself a bit more throughout my career just really be taken seriously for what I'm doing as well and I think um, it's quite I mean it's better after the Black Lives Matter movement as well there's been more opportunities opening up for diverse people within the industry and I think that's really helped in uh, bringing more voices on board and more campaigns uh, for better diversity within the industry but I think there's so many challenges because some challenges are also um, to do with confidence because like us all at some points you feel a bit of um, imposter syndrome <laughs> like oh you know I really don't think I can do this or you know something might be you feel a bit reluctant to try something new uh, which I've experienced in the in the past as well yeah, but it's definitely. really overcoming those kind of mental blocks and thinking that you can do it and really putting the trust in the skills that you've got and putting your best foot forward all the time and I think perseverance is key to overcoming challenges I think that's really something that we've all got to keep trying and doing if we want to achieve anything in life yeah perseverance and a thick skin as well that's what I found as well yeah definitely Um, mm -hmm. and I I really appreciate what you said about the confidence too because actually throughout this podcast people haven't actually mentioned it that much I think it is definitely something that I know from my experience it has held me back back at uni during my course I never went out and did the work experience course because I didn't have the confidence because I didn't want to you know I couldn't put myself out there I was too scared about what might happen if it might go wrong and I think I ended up just picking up like a week or two at the local paper in the summer or something be happy that you said that what would you say for people who who are who do struggle with their confidence one of my lecturers said there's no such thing as a shy journalist yeah <laughs> I think as a journalist you do have to be confident because you're socializing with all different types of people all the time there has to be that level of of confidence but everybody everybody suffers from nerves even the most confidence of pe- confident of people can suffer some, from nerves even during public speaking for example or hosting an event and you know there's so I many times when <laughs> <laughs> some of the, some of the um, most famous you know Hollywood actors like Whoopi Goldberg I remember saying actually suffers from nerves before she goes on you know on stage to large crowds which I found really surprising because you wouldn't tell that such confident mm. personalities would have that but I think we all it all happens at, at some point but it's really about ha- taking control and um knowing you know really stepping out of your comfort zone a bit as well and pushing yourself forward to and especially if you're passionate and you like the job you're doing I think it really does help what about yourself Tom yeah well on that on the confidence thing you know it's very daunting you know I've not, I've not got any experience in in journalism but in kind of television there are 
probably hundreds if not thousands of people going for the same job as you to get in so many people try and get in the industry because it's amazing it's a fantastic place to work but not everyone works and you know if you see a job role or if you know you see a talent manager nine times out of ten there are already many people that are asking you know can we have a coffee can I you know I'd love to work here so why shouldn't it be you you know they're used to it you know not I'm not saying go out and bug every talent manager that you can find but you know why not is the the main thing that I've kind of had to teach myself when starting out you know I'll go into these socializing drinks even within the same company you know that you're working at if you're just going on like a night out with a with a bunch of, of your, your mates or if you see somebody who you kind of know and oh, didn't we work together like you know six months ago on this show how are you doing why not why shouldn't it be you that can kind of you know get that foot in the door if you don't go for it you're never going to get it and if you don't go for it guarantee that someone else will get it and that could launch their career so you just have to kind of swallow your pride a little bit go up to the talent manager at a networking event and be like hi how are you doing i'll go up to the producer and be like hi i really loved this work that you did or or this show that you worked on you know it doesn't really sound that scary when you talk about it (laughs) oh i mean it's scary when you're there don't get me wrong you know (laughs) when you're trying to pluck up that courage what about yourself roxy what sort of challenges have you faced in your career I would echo a lot of what Tom said there, you know, they can only say no. Yeah, I, I, especially in Scotland, the kind of the, the two TV is BBC and, and STV and, that, and that's kind of it. We don't have any local stations, really. Um, no. Which I think and is quite unfortunate. We have spoken about it on a previous episode. Someone from Leeds was saying that she went to her local station, whereas we don't really have those opportunities in Scotland, do we? No, and so what that creates is a really like highly competitive market for the jobs that go up and they're few and far between in terms of like the entry level kind of all encompassing jobs that you would want fresh out of uni or even if you were making a switch from papers into the industry or whatever because then if you go higher up than that you're you're getting more specialized and would need more experience for it and what I would say there is it really does help to reach out to you know, the editor or a producer, you know, if you do your research and have a look into the newsroom, you'll find out who these people are. And reaching out to them, I found, is a really good way of separating you from everybody else. Super helpful before, if you get an interview, to have those kind of chats and build those kind of networks before you've even got into the industry. Because doing that in the first instance can be like really difficult because of the competitive nature that we have here. That's the thing with like journalism and obviously broadcast journalism as well. It is so competitive and what you were saying, Tom, there, you know, you've just got to pluck up that courage to go, let's have a chat about this job and like try and get your foot in the door somehow. Tasnim, what experience have you had with networking? How do you think that's helped you in your career? I mean, you've got such a vast career, you know, it's absolutely inspiring to see networking is is really invaluable honestly um i've been doing uh and what i could really advise any other journalist listening in is to really go for networking events within the industry there's some great networking events in women in journalism which also have a branch in scotland and it's actually through that event i went into the um, branch into broadcasting event they were running where we did get a chance to go and meet people at STV and BBC Scotland 
I yeah. missed out on that. I was so close and they'd sold out and I was gutted. And then they were putting pictures up and it looked amazing. It was. So, and it, it, mm-hmm. it is invaluable because you make key contacts. You meet with you meet with other fellow journalists or industry peers as well. And it's great to just talk to people, find out about their interests and even introduce yourself because you just never know who you'll meet and who you could potentially work with. And it's going back to what Tom says sometimes as well, really taking the time out to get in contact with people. And I've done that many times, you know, sometimes it's really great and it works out and you go over and have a chat and take ideas forward. And other times it might you might not have the right idea, but they still have that relationship formed with you. And I think that's really important. So I think net, networking in this industry is vital alongside having the experience and skills. Off like the back of what you've all said, and especially with networking as well, I'm just thinking about like the kind of news coverage with broadcast journalism and the rise of TikTok and kind of shorter videos that are being made. Do you think the way news coverage is being created will kind of change in the future? I think with news coverage, we're really going to try to have to adapt, I think, really and evolve with the skill sets because you know, as you said, um, even with attention spans of people now, the way they consume news is different. Some people kind of tend to prefer these short snippets on social media as opposed to watching perhaps um, a TV report or seeing something in the paper. So everybody's got preferences, and especially with younger audiences. It's really about reaching and tapping into them and doing relatable content. And I think that's why TikTok works really well and has the potential to make kind of stories go viral and it's just more entertaining as well sometimes I've watched thousands of loads of TikToks um you know hilarious ones over lockdown that my sister sends me sometimes <laughs> it, it can be a great way to just you know have a bit of escapism as well yeah definitely oh, I love TikTok <laughs> and then coronavirus had like a whole new like theme of TikTok videos I love a good meme <laughs> yeah <laughs> how about uh, yourself Roxy Oh, so I kind of have a split view about this. We're quite lucky in Scotland that a lot of people still watch TV and they still watch TV news. The kind of appointment to view side of things, you know, sit down at six o'clock, watch news is still very much part of the culture here and how people consume their news. But I agree with Tasnim that we're probably looking at a totally change, changed face when it comes to how people view their news it kind of takes away from like the curated sort of in-depth journalism that I am an advocate of to condense something into 20 seconds of flashing video. So I'm kind of old school when it comes to that. I don't want to let go of the way that we do news for TV, but I do kind of agree that we're going to have to get to grips with it and branch out and change how we do things because like you say the younger audience I think it's really important that younger people are engaged with news and real news not fake news and I think finding that balance is going to be really important going forward. I mean, I, I totally agree with Roxy as well. I love the old school journalism, the in-depth reports, all the, you know, you have the kind of really news reports that's 
really goes into the facts and figures of things. So I, I'm, to, I'm totally with you there. I think it's great to have a great mix. And I guess that's why we have now certain different outlets, such as Vice and more edgy kind of outlets as well for that cater for different audiences. But I think we do need to have like broadcasters like STV News, BBC News and all, all the other broadcasters who are doing their, you know, usual traditional output, which is, is vital for, for the wider public. I think over lockdown and with COVID, the way people have viewed news and especially with fake news as well, like the whole sort of topic's really interesting. How about yourself, Tom? Yeah, Tom, have you found it different in like working in TV? Have you seen any changes recently? I mean, this is like the age-old question, you know, that I was always kind of listening to or asked when I was coming through uni and when I was starting in the industry, you know, it's the death of TV, this, Netflix is the death of TV. TikTok's the death of TV. Disney Plus is the death of TV. You know, (laughs) everything is apparently killing off television. And yet here we are with like dramas becoming just absolutely massive on, you know, event pieces of television or even, you know, not to step on the journalism side, but daily briefings, you know, that's all on the telly at a specific time. I don't think anything's ever going to kill off television it's something to talk about and it's something that's there for you no matter what the recent schedules of of disney plus you know they are pretty much releasing something new every single week now and it's no different in my opinion to on friday morning watching something new on the television i think you know stuff like tiktok is great for snippets and stuff but anybody who thinks that you know short form video content is going to ever replace television i'd say they're thinking the wrong way about it i i would agree with with you that i don't think it would be the death of tv maybe adaptation but for how long you know it's what we said georgia cohen she mentioned the longe- longevity of these apps you know how long are they actually going to be around for how long are they going to be popular whereas tv has been something that's been constant for decades. I think, you know, TikTok and, and other apps have their place to supplement television and be extras as opposed to replacing them altogether. Would you say that, Roxy? Would you suggest maybe it would be an extra rather than replacing? An extra and also reflecting what Tasnam said about finding different ways of telling news to get people engaged rather than seeing it as another way of getting content out there, which it is, but there's got to be a kind of balance for the market that it serves. TV, maybe think of the family sitting down or grandma and granddad sitting down or that kind of thing. Whereas you think of people scrolling through their phones on TikTok, it's not the same. And what they're going to want to look at is not the same as sitting and watching a half hour news programme. So it's how you adapt the stories that you're telling and the kinds of stories that you're telling, I think. Well, that's really like interesting from my point of view because I've as I said before like I've never really delved into TV before but listening to like all the different experiences and where you can kind of like go with TV it's really like opened my eyes to the whole industry. Like that was something I would say by the way is that in broadcast there's so many different jobs right so you can qualify as a journalist or you can qualify in media or whatever but like don't pigeonhole where you want to go because you'll find that there's pretty much a job for every aspect of media you could ever think of and even now there's just new jobs being created because everything's going online everything's becoming digital and you know there's all kinds of new 
things that people want to develop. So it's worth branching out when you're doing job searches and stuff and just putting in different keywords because the industry's massive. Do you think, especially with broadcast journalism, you need to move to London to be successful in the industry? And one piece of advice you'd give any listeners? Yeah, I mean, I'm a Londoner myself. I'm originally from London. I was born and brought up there. But, um, you know, due to my husband's uh, work, we actually moved up here about 10 years ago now. And you honestly don't need to actually be in London to make a career in this industry. Although there are, I guess, more organisations within London, you've got to remember that that all all these organisations have correspondents, have regional reporters. Uh, For example, Channel 5 will have their own Scotland reporter, Alan Alan Jenkins for example and then um, there's so many other opportunities so even though you're based in Scotland it doesn't mean that opportunities are limited you can really excel and put your best foot forward there in a way you've got more scope to really own in on your skills because I think in London there's so many people and it's very highly competitive as well and I'm not saying that in Scotland it isn't I mean I'm sure it's extremely competitive um, in Scotland as well and um, in the north in general but I do find that there's more room for opportunities and more opportunities can come up so keep persevering and keep going and trying to achieve your goals it has to be said I'm I'm not really a fan of the south in general so <laughs> that's, that's okay that, this is a safe space <laughs> this is northern now <laughs> um I think probably so a few things I would say right so you can make a career in Scotland of course you can and because the pool is smaller there is the chance to grow and develop I think more than if you're in the big wheel of London and you're a tiny little piece in a massive cog and you get to know people really quickly in the you know in the media industry in the north because it's so small and so people it's like a word of mouth thing and people get to know who you are and what you're capable of and that kind of thing whereas in London again so many people your face probably just blends in and blurs with everybody else's in terms of what do you define as successful if your goal is to be interviewing doing serious sit-down interviews with highfalutin politicians or you know you want to be a foreign correspondent or the likes you're looking at the BBC you're looking at ITV you need to be kind of going down that route I think if that's what you want but If you just want to be a journalist in broadcast or anywhere else in the the media, of course you can stay in Scotland and be successful doing it. You can absolutely do that. Yeah, I mean, I was from, you know, I'm from the North East. I was from the North East. I am from the North East, but I moved to Manchester because there is more work there. The call of London was kind of there, but I did some work experience down there for about three weeks. And I thought, eh, no, this is just very expensive, very crowded. And there's a lot of people down here. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think London has its place in the sense that there's a lot of work down there for television for you know, a quick turnaround contract. But like Roxy was saying before, it's very easy to pigeonhole yourself in London. Um, You know, I've heard of producers and execs that have come up here, or I've worked with, sorry, execs that have come up here when I've been working on the casting side and they're like, oh God, right, we just need, we need to just film this GV outside. Does anyone know how to work a camera? 
And I'm like, yeah, okay, I can kind of, you know, I can go out and shoot that. They're like, oh, but you're casting. It's like, yeah, but I, I can work a camera, <laughs> you know, that's fine. And they're like, oh, God, there's some casting researchers that I've worked with that have never, you know, picked up a camera. They've never kind of done any that side of it. So, and, yeah, I don't think it's a necessity to move to London, especially not now. Channel 4 have just got out of London, majority. They've just moved up to Leeds and, you know, lots of other companies, especially indie companies, are uh, following suit. You know, Love Productions are in Bristol, Studio Lambert, who I work for, they have an office in London, but they're also moving quite a few shows up to Manchester, a lot in Cardiff as well, if you're in Wales. Cardiff is absolutely huge now, not just with Doctor Who and Holby City, which I'm pretty sure is recorded. Holby City are casualty, like BBC Drama. They're filming loads there now, so... If you're like me and don't want to move to London originally when you're first starting out, you know, just have a look for local opportunities or have a look for where the channels are going. The one thing I'd say is like a final shout out, because I know I've been rambling on, is um, a scheme that I used to kind of, you know, kickstart myself in television, which was called The Network. And it's run by the guys at the Edinburgh International Television Festival. And they open applications every year. And my advice would be apply for that. If you're starting out, if you've had a couple of runner jobs, maybe junior researcher, if you've got that passion to actually work for it, to actually dedicate your time to getting the telly, because it ain't easy to start out in television. It is hard. You are kind of on Facebook every hour of the day looking for job posts or you're kind of you're working really long hours like as a runner and making loads and loads of cups of tea. It ain't easy. But if you've got that passion, I'd check out the network and apply for it. And they kind of put you in touch with talent managers. When we went up, they let us into the lectures. You know, you meet lots of commissioners there and you just meet so many people. Well, you definitely must have been doing something right then if you're working on four in the bed now. So that's brilliant. Tasnim, what one top tip would you give for people listening? I think um, don't let any setbacks, you know, dishearten you. Keep on persevering and trying and come up with loads of ideas. If it's something that you want to pitch, for example, you can do a lot of your research on previous stories. If it's programmes that you want to pitch to, perhaps start watching these programmes more to see what kind of items you think would be best suited to that particular programme. I think it's really important to not get any rejections uh, get you down because this industry is really competitive and you do have to have that bit of thick skin in you as well and it will be inevitable that at some point uh, within your career there will be times there will be setbacks and challenges but it's just about how you overcome that and keep on going because eventually you will be able to achieve something and get something either commissioned or get to one step closer to your goal I would totally agree with that (laughs) Uh, what about yourself Roxy what's your little golden nugget I would say get experience wherever and whenever you can, all over the place. Work experience I did at Press Association Wires and kind of the Evening Times and kind of all these different places, you know, and radio stations. And, you know, I really don't use any of it now because I'm in TV, but it's all valuable and it all contributes to your knowledge base. When you're going for an interview or when you're writing an application or whatever, you can talk about these things from a position of knowledge and it comes across. Like how do they get to this work experience? Ask questions. If you're coming from uni, go through your lecturers because it is kind of their responsibility to be helping you out with work experience. If you've got industry professionals that are te- like ex-industry professionals that are teaching in the uni, go to them first. And then if you've not got that, then write to editors, write to producers, you know, say that you're willing to do 
you know, a week's trial. Not an advocate of working for free because people can take advantage in the industry. But if you're willing to put yourself forward for at least, you know, a week or a couple of days just to get your foot in the door, your face in front of these people and kind of work out how it's all operating on the ground, you can get yourself a job off the back of that. That is brilliant. I think that is a brilliant way to end it as well. Um, Thank you so, so much, Roxy, Tansman and Tom. Thank you. Your advice and tips and stories have been great. And I really hope our listeners have enjoyed it. You can um, get in touch with me on Twitter as well. Um, I tweet at at TasnimNazir1. I've just changed my Twitter, so I just totally... Anyway, it's my last name and then my first name. So it's at McRae Roxy. That's great. Right, guys. Okay, I'll let you all go now. Thank you so, so much. It's been a pleasure. Lovely stuff. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So thanks so much for joining us and why not give us a follow on social media over at Northern Natter. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to share and follow us to keep up to date and we really appreciate the support. So for me, Katie Williams and me, Katie Baggett, this is Northern Natter. <laughs>